0: Welcome to My 10 Sports, and glad you could join us for this January 24th, 2023 episode. We have a fun show for you today. Managing Editor Blake Lovell from Southeastern 14 joins the, joins the show. To discuss all things SEC basketball we're getting to the midpoint of conference play now. Some teams have played six, seven games. Obviously, nine is the midpoint, but we're getting there. Thought it would be a good time to bring him on. Uh, One of my favorite interviews I have done so far, if I'm being honest with you, just a fun back and forth. We discuss a lot of different topics, go in-depth, not just surface-level stuff, but good, fun, in-depth stuff. Exactly kind of like, how many wins does Texas A&M need to get in the tournament? Fun question we discuss. Can't wait for you to hear it. Um, that will be on the back end of the show though. We're going to preview, we're going to review, uh, the weekend that was on the hardwood. Good weekend. We had seven different games. We'll talk about that and we'll up and we'll preview this upcoming week schedule, uh, for on Tuesday and Wednesday. It's going to be a mostly basketball themed episode, but let's get started with, I told you I was going to start my segment with the tip of the cap from each episode. And that kind of what that is, is anything I kind of see in sports, maybe even life at times, just depends what I see was the best thing I've seen from, uh, Since last episode, last Thursday's episode, the best thing I've seen so far, how about the Cincinnati Bengals rushing for 172 yards and averaging 5.1 yards per carry in a road divisional game? They're getting my tip of the cap. Tip of the cap to Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, getting them in the right right runs, checking in the right play, and that Bengals offensive line just mauling the Buffalo Bills on the road. Signature road win. I was not expecting that. Tip of the cap, taking it off now, tip of the cap, can't see me, but I'm tipping. I'm taking it off, tip of the cap to the Cincinnati Bengals rushing offense that helped uh, give Cincinnati that big divisional round win, sending them to the AFC Championship game where, hey, they may go try to repeat, history may go re- repeat itself this week in an arrowhead as they try to make their back-to-back trips to the Super Bowl. Just want to start off with that, but let's get into this past weekend's action. Alabama getting the 85-64 win in Columbia on Saturday evening. Alabama was ultimately just too much, in my opinion, for Missouri, just like they've done with a lot of other teams. Kobe Brown, Missouri's best player, was announced just before tip-off. He was out. But Missouri was playing with him for most of the but Missouri was playing with Alabama for most of the first half. They they really were. If you go back and watch the game, they were kind of stride for stride with him. But at the end of the half, Bama was just too much for Missouri to handle. Pull a little football tournament for you. Bama won the middle eight minutes of this specific game. If you go back and look, Bama was up 27-24 with four minutes left in the half. Alabama was up 38-28 at halftime and stretched it anywhere from 16-7 to points before the 16-minute timeout. Missouri, I think a solid team. I think uh, Dennis Gates and them have done a good job so far this year. But this Alabama team is just so deep. And it's just like a Swiss Army knife. They can win in so many ways this year. Even if it's not Brandon Miller, Mark Sears, anybody. Noah Clowney steps up. Charles Bediaco steps up. They rebound well. They play defense well. It's just a team effort. It looks like a bunch of unselfish, talented guys out there just doing what is best for the team. And just trying to do what they can to win a championship. That's what it looks like right now. And now, could that be different in a month? Absolutely. I did not even think they shot well the other night, to be honest with you. I mean, for the game, they shot 36.8% from the field and just 28% from beyond the arc. Not great numbers for Alabama. But uh, Missouri has Ole Miss on Tuesday. Then after playing Iowa State in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, have a relatively uh, – Easy stretch to get some wins, I feel like. They play LSU at home, at Mississippi State, at, uh, then South Carolina at home. Missouri could get some wins for themselves. I, I like what Dennis Gates and his team's doing. I fully expect them to make the tournament. Just kind of keep an eye on if Kobe Brown plays uh, tomorrow night when they are playing uh, Ole Miss. But moving to the next game, the other game I liked, it was Kentucky got a big 67-60 76-67 60, win over Texas A&M. How about Cal taking up the players' phones so far in this winning streak the night before games? I, I'm, I'm trying to start a trend here with Big Blue Nation. Lock up, hashtag lock up the phones. This was the most physical game of the year in the SEC so far. I honestly, grew more respect for AM and Kentucky after this game. If A&M plays like this again, they will have a chance to win every game. Now, obviously, they will not play like this. I'm not saying they will. But the turnovers is a glaring issue that has to be fixed. If they could have shored that up, they'd probably win this game. But Kentucky, switching to switch them a little bit, looks a lot more comfortable right now. I think they understand if they do the gritty things, like play physical, rebound, they have a chance to win every game. The new lineup between Wallace, Reeves, uh, Jacob Toppin, and then Oscar Sheeway gives this team an edge, in my opinion. If you go back and watch the game, do they have some defensive lapses? Yes, especially in transition defense. Uh, Texas a and is not an, an excellent scoring team, was just out out getting them to the other end of the floor is just it was a rebound one pass and transition and it was a layup I mean it was pretty good offensive play by Texas A&M there's a couple of plays there so Wade Taylor hitting a nice bounce pass to um to a couple of other to a couple other guys I mean it, it was a really good well-played basketball game by Texas A&M that I thought if they continue to build off that they can win some games they really can guys like Radford uh, like him. That's who I, sorry, I mean, I'm was forgetting the name for a minute, but that's what I was thinking of. Tyrese Radford for Texas A&M doing big things. Uh, we talk Texas A&M in depth. As I talked about with me and Blake Lovell, we go in depth on how many wins Texas A&M needs. Uh, we'll cover that. I'm honestly thinking 11 or 12 for them to be safe when they roll into the SEC tournament. Uh, but I'll let you hear that when as me and Blake talk at the end of the show here. Um, I think this Texas A&M team is good right now forget the non-conference record I'm talking about right now like I said I think the Ags need 11 to get into the tournament Am has the biggest game in my opinion in the midweek action uh, them going Wednesday night at Auburn will be a massive game uh it could be a big it's a big opportunity for Am and I think Auburn needs to win that at home I think Auburn's locked in the tournament right now obviously but that they, they don't need to be losing games like this at home but Am big opportunity here if I said I said on social media if they could have they could split at Kentucky at Auburn. It would be big for them. Uh, they just have to match that intensity they brought from Saturday and limit the turnovers. And I think they may have a shot if Auburn can come out and sh- uh, not shoot is not shoot very well um, from the field. Like they, they they struggled all year to do that. Now it's a home game for Auburn. They play different at home. They're one of the more different looking teams from home and away. And everybody's gonna be like, well, they've won a couple road games in conference. It's like, yeah, let's get some of the worst teams in the league. I mean, they went at Ole Miss at South Carolina, at LSU. Not a lot of tough road environments. Didn't play their best, but hey, this is a big opportunity for A&M, going back to them. I like the way a and playing right now. Just Buzz Williams has got to keep that team playing with that same intensity. That was one of my favorite games to watch all year, the Texas A&M-Kentucky game. It's a good, physical, high-energy game. Then we got Florida got the 61-59 win at Humphrey Coliseum and start on Saturday night. I'll be honest with you. I like the Gators somewhat big going into this one, and it looked that way early. Florida got up 16, but Florida went on one of their long-scoring droughts, 11 minutes to be exact, and let State go on a 23-7 run in that time span to get back in the game. But after Mississippi State tied it three times in the second half, uh, Florida held on to get their first quad one win this year. Florida's still kind of in that hump with their record right now. It's not great. But they're still in that hunt. If they can rack up some more quad one wins, it's getting harder for me here. Here I'm, going, I'm looking at their schedule right now. Florida's a heck of a stretch coming up after South Carolina this week. They play South Carolina at home this week. Then they go at K-State in the Big 12 Challenge, Tennessee at home, at Kentucky, and at Alabama. Prayers up for the people in Gainesville uh, for those next four after South Carolina. But going back to Mississippi State, Mississippi, just kidding. No, Sorry. Sorry. Prayers up for the people in Gainesville after that game in South Carolina because the the K-State, Tennessee, at Kentucky, and at Alabama games. It's a tough stretch. But Mississippi State just cannot get anything going on the offensive end Feels like the same song and dance every game from them. If it's not them just shooting horrific from the field, it's a horrific free throw percentage. It's so, always something offensively, always something with getting the ball into the basket it, with Mississippi State. It, Chris James has to get it figured out, but they do play hard. Uh if they're not careful, they might they may find themselves in that First Wednesday set of games in Nashville. Just telling you, things don't get any easier for Mississippi State and Chris Jans as they travel down Highway 82 towards Tuscaloosa for a Wednesday night tip at 8 o'clock. But Florida getting the big road win, first quad one victory of the season. Let's see how the let's see how the Florida Gators uh, build that turn that momentum into something. They got a tough stretch coming up after after the game against uh, South Carolina midweek. Uh, heading over to Athens, Vanderbilt went into Athens and ended up getting the Georgia Bulldogs. They ended the they ended the Georgia Bulldogs home winning streak, Vanderbilt with the eighty five eighty two win. Say what you want about Vandy, but Jerry Stackhouse and his team are a tough out no matter what no matter where they play, but usually immemorial. But this game, this was a big game for them. They went into I know Georgia isn't great, but to end anyone's a home winning streak at this point in the season is a pretty big deal. I, I don't think t- Vandy's a tournament team this year, but if they're shooting as well as they did Saturday, look out if you have to go play at Memorial Coliseum. The Georgia defense let them down as Vandy shot 48% from the field and 47% from beyond the arc. The only consistent threat from Georgia all game long was Jabreel Abdulrahim. His his 11 points in the first half kept Vandy in this game uh for most like sorry, kept Georgia in this game. Uh f- Honestly, kept Vanderbilt probably from being up double digits at half. But, hey, you knew this would happen if you're Mike White. You're going to have some losses that are tough to explain. But, hey, first year, you weren't going to make the NCAA tournament, most likely anyways. NIT is in reach, and it should be the the goal. But, honestly, going back to Vanderbilt, I'm more impressed with Vandy's effort, especially when you talk about the current injuries they have. They got a big one at home against Kentucky midweek. We'll preview that one in a minute. But, but man, Vanderbilt, just an impressive team. Honestly, even going back to the Alabama game last Week. They just didn't quit. Even when Alabama got up 23, they fought hard. Alabama ultimately pulled it out, was controlled majority of the game. But man, Vanderbilt bounced back from that, go on the road, and give Georgia their first home loss of the season. Hey, all, they they almost could have made tip of the cap. But uh, moving to the next game, we'll head to Baton Rouge, Tennessee. Got the 77. 56 win over LSU on Saturday afternoon. The Vols were without Euros Plavich after missing Santiago, Vescovi, and Tyreek Key earlier in the week against Mississippi State. Sounds like there is kind of a stomach bug, something going around between Tennessee staff. Even Rick Barnes mentioned the coaching staff. But it sounds like that. I think that's why uh, Plavich was out. I know uh, Vescovy had a shoulder injury sustained against Kentucky, but also he's been out with a bug. Same with Tyreek Key. But that did not stop the Vols from shooting well from beyond the arc at the PMAG. The Vols shot 38% from beyond the arc and made 12 threes overall which tied for the most the Vols have made in a conference game so far this year and second most that it's made in any game this year. So Tennessee went into the PMAC, shot well, without one of their better shooters in best give-y. LSU just playing really poor right now. Not going to get much easier for LSU. I fully expect them to be in that first four game on Wednesday of the SEC tournament. Just an all-around, just a bad effort, piss-poor effort I've been watching from LSU. Kind of bothers me, honestly. If I'm Matt McMahon, we're having a come-to-Jesus meeting because our schedule's only going to get harder. I can take not making shots and even turn it over sometimes. But the lack of effort is just really poor, even going back to that Auburn game last week. That has to get fixed, or LSU is going to be... I mean, they're already in for a rude awakening, but it's only going to get worse for the Tigers. They don't improve that. Going to Columbia, South Carolina. Auburn getting the 81-66 win at South Carolina. Auburn looking like they're somewhat getting comfortable figuring things out offensively. Somebody thinks some of me thinks that some of that ske- the schedule has not been great. We'll find out starting Wednesday night when I think a tough Aggie team rolling into Neville Arena, if all if m plays like they did on Saturday, they can win and they probably will win in Neville Arena if they play that. I'm not saying they for sure are because I can't predict they're going to play that, but if they bring that intensity, limit the turnovers a little bit, they're going to have a shot at the end. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. The score on Saturday was actually, was actually a lot worse than it would indicate. Uh, Auburn says they got a 15-point win, but Auburn was up 20 at one point. This game was over. South Carolina is just not a good basketball team this year. Tough to judge Lamont to Paris so quickly, but you have to think something is not right for them to be this bad. Um, South Carolina just drops to 8-11, and 1-5 in the league. Auburn schedule gets tougher coming up, but I, hey, I'm looking forward to it. I think they got the most intriguing matchup of the week uh, when Texas A&M comes to town. Then finally, Arkansas got the 69 57 win over Ole Miss on Saturday morning, the 11 a.m. tip off. Ole Miss competed in the first half, and it seemed like Arkansas was not awake on the defensive end to start the game. They gave up some easy baskets, some slashers right across, some cutters right across the lane that didn't even attempt to defend somebody. And credit to Musselman. He subbed guys out like three or four times in a row. And he called a timeout. He was trying to fix it. Uh, I don't know if his early morning game, early morning tip, whatever it was. The defense has been an issue for Arkansas going back to the Vanderbilt game a week and a half ago. They have to get that fixed. Ole Miss was in it until, unfortunately, Matthew Morrell went out with a knee injury. And it kind of sucked the energy out of the Ole Miss team. You could just feel it. Will he play against Missouri? Um on Tuesday, I, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see if him, Kobe Brown from Missouri, plays. Matthew Morel plays from Ole Miss. It'll be interesting. This team for Arkansas, though. They have to, they limited its overall turnovers, and that was good to see. Only 11 and shot 40% from three. It's very good for them, but this team needs Nick Smith Jr. back, but you have to think that it will take a few games to get him adjusted into the lineup. Sooner the better, though, because the season's eating up. I'm really interested to see this Hogs team once he is fully involved in the program. But that's the wrap up, the seven games, the pre, uh, the reviews from this past weekend. It was a good weekend. But let's get into the week that is coming up. Let's pull up the schedule right here. Let's get to the SEC basketball schedule starting off with Tuesday's action. We got a 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone tip. LSU at Arkansas. Arkansas trying to get revenge for that first conference loss, first SEC game of the season in Baton Rouge. LSU has not looked the same since. The game's on ESPN2 at Bud Walton Arena. Um, I like Arkansas in this one. LSU just disappointed in the effort. Like It's hard to predict LSU to win anything right now until they get that fixed. Arkansas needs to win this game. cannot afford to lose this game. I think they'll get it done. Then we got a 6 p.m. Central Standard Time zone tip, Missouri at Ole Miss on the SEC Network. We talked about it a little bit. I think the big story in this one is, will Kobe Brown play for Missouri with his ankle sprain? And what about Matthew Morrell for Ole Miss with the right knee? Kermit Davis did not go into much detail about it significantly. Didn't it look like he tore it? It looked like he just stepped on somebody more so, uh, stepped on somebody else's foot, and it kind of scared him. You heard him yelling. I remember watching it live, and they went to a fast break. You could hear him yelling through the TV, through the – through the microphone on the basket on the goals, you could hear him yelling. So I thought it was worse than it was, but they looked like they were kind of calming him down, It scared him a little bit. But that'll be the big mar- uh, question mark in that one. I like Missouri. There's a deeper team right now. I like Missouri to go to the Pavilion no matter what and get this win. Then finally, the 8 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone tip: Kentucky at Vanderbilt on the SEC Network. It's a big one for Kentucky. A mature game. They need to go out and take care of business. Vanderbilt's beat up right now. Don't have one of their better bigs, Liam Robbins. Got a couple guys sidelined as well. At Memorial, uh, Kentucky should have a big contingency. Kentucky should win this game. They need to take a mature approach and not overlook Vanderbilt because they get Kansas coming to town at Rupp on Saturday. Kentucky doesn't need to drop this one. They don't need to overlook them. I think where Vanderbilt is right now uh, with injuries, I like Kentucky. They've been playing better, the new lineup. This game could be closer than people think. Uh, But moving to Wednesday's action, we got four games, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time zone tip-off, South Carolina at Florida on ESPN2. I like the Gators getting this win at home before the schedule, like I mentioned, with Kansas State, Tennessee, at Kentucky, and at Alabama coming. Schedule real turns up. Last really uh, game they can – Maybe breathe a little bit since South Carolina's not very good. I expect Florida to get the win here. Then 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone, Georgia at Tennessee SEC Network. Georgia team uh, probably feeling like they shouldn't have lost a game to Vanderbilt defense, let them down on Saturday. Uh, but Mike White's doing a solid job with this team. They'll go in and fight at Thompson Bowen Arena on Wednesday night. Tennessee, what's the injury bug look like? What's that team look like when they finally get back together? I don't know. It feels like someone else is out each uh, game for Tennessee. Will they have a full lineup on Wednesday night? I'm betting not but I uh, expect Tennessee to get the win at Thompson Bowling Arena. It'll probably be a tough, hard-fought game, though, because that's just the way Mike White teams play. 8 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone, Texas A&M at Auburn on ESPN2. I think this is the game of the midweek between the Tuesday and Wednesday matchups. Like I said, I think a and playing really well right now. They would have beat a lot of teams, probably minus um, Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky the other day on Saturday. I think if they play they did on Saturday, they will beat Auburn. They can just limit the turnovers by two or minus two or three than what they had. They will beat Auburn. I I, I fully believe that. I like the way Texas A&M is playing right now. They need to match the physicality. They need to match the physicality. Cause Auburn's got some solid bigs that can give them some minutes between Broom and Carwell. Like I like this. I like this matchup. It's one of the more fun matchups we had in the midweek. I'm really excited about this one. Uh I don't think a is going to be able to match the physicality, the edge they had against uh, Kentucky. Auburn at home, tough to go against them. I think it's going to be a hard-fought battle. Comes down to the end. I like Auburn though. And then finally, the other eight PM Central Standard Time Zone tip-off: Mississippi State at Alabama on the SEC Network. These two two, two teams played the open to open up conference play in startville Alabama got the eleven-point win, kind of c- controlled it throughout. I expect the same from Alabama at home against Mississippi State, a team that struggles to score any way you want to put it. Give me Alabama. I think the double-digit streak in conference continues for the Tide. But that is the p- midweek preview. Uh, not as many good matchups as we're used to having, but I'm really excited about that Texas and m auburn matchup on Wednesday night at Neville Arena. That should be a really fun matchup. But now I want to take you to the interview I discussed with myself and Blake uh, Lovell from Southeastern 14. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. All right. Joining the show today, guys. Appreciate you joining us. Like we mentioned, Blake Level uh, joining the show. We have him from Southeastern 14 joining us today. They do a great job over there. Different segments I watch weekly. They do great previews, great reviews. You can give the follow at 14 Southeastern and you can follow Blake himself at the Blake Level. Blake, how are we doing today, brother?
1: Yeah, doing well, my friend. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate you uh, having me. Obviously, uh, a very fun time of year as we get to sort of the middle part of conference play and start beefing up those resumes uh, for some of these SEC teams. But yeah, it's it's definitely a fun time of year. So
0: good stuff. man. So, so just initial thoughts. Over. Some teams are seven games in. Some teams are six. They'll be at seven after this week. Georgia, South Carolina A&M's of the world. What are just some things that initially just come to your mind just so far the basketball season since we started conference play?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think there are as many top tier elite teams uh, as maybe than we would have thought, and I think a lot of people will kind of point to the SEC being down because of that. Um, you know, but I don't. I also think we have to keep in mind, you know, Arkansas is two and five in the SEC. I don't think Arkansas is a you know. They're, they're not a two and five sec team, if that makes sense. Like they're, they're a team that's better than their record would suggest. I think Missouri, you know, three and four, I still think Missouri's pretty good. Um, you know, then you've got maybe some of the surprise teams that are a little bit higher than you would think they'd be right now a Vanderbilt or a Georgia. Maybe you're surprised, you know, by a and being five and one, but so I, I don't think, you know, to me, I think it's pretty clear. I think it's Alabama, Tennessee and Auburn are clearly the top three teams in the league. I think Alabama I hesitate to say I almost want to say Alabama, I think, is on a different level than everybody else, yeah. Tennessee included. But I do think we have to put Tennessee in there. Um, and I do think maybe there's a little bit of a slight gap between them and Auburn. But um, <laughs> still, I, I, I look at this overall, though. I mean, look, Kentucky still has a, a high ceiling. Is it higher than as high as we thought it would be? No. a um, and I think, is still probably a pretty good team, even though their resume right now probably wouldn't support them getting into the tournament. So it's going to be an interesting finish because I think there's a lot of ways this could go. I, I've said, someone asked me the other day, you know, what's the over under on how many sec teams get in the tournament? I said, well, that's a very wide range because, you know, right now I think it's, I think you've got three locks, right? I think Alabama, Tennessee, and Auburn are are locks. Everybody else can probably, well, I don't want to say everybody else, but there's a good group of teams that can play their way in. There's also a good group of teams that can play their way out. So it becomes a very interesting you know, discussion moving forward. I know it's kind of a long-winded answer, but the SEC's been very hard to predict this season, and I think even seven games in, we still got a long way to go to kind of figuring out what this league actually looks like.
0: No, you're right. I feel like you get a lot of different bracket projections saying five or six right now, but you're right. You, I think you got some of those teams that are kind of on that line, like A&M. They, they can springboard yeah. kind of go on a, a run like they did at the end of the season last year. I think like Missouri's still kind of sitting there on that like kind of little bubble line, but you're right. I would agree with you 100%. I feel like Alabama, and I, I'm with you, I think they're almost on a little bit of a tear themselves. Not a huge difference between Tennessee, yeah. but I think as you, Tennessee can just go ice cold sometimes, which they always kind of worries you about them getting out of that first weekend like the stereotypical answer would be in regards to that.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and, and that's the thing with Tennessee. I think it's just – it's like every time you want to believe that they're turning a corner, they'll have one of those stretches where they just don't – they can't score. And, you know, obviously the Kentucky game is sort of the – the one that's always probably going to be in the back of your mind now, knowing that they have that on their resume this season. And, and you know, I think throughout the Colorado game, that's so long ago now, but the Kentucky game is recent and yep. it is one, you know, where you looked at how Tennessee played offense with missed so many wide open layups, which again, you play that out a hundred times, they probably hit three or four of those layups. Just, I mean, just wide open and just, just cannot hit them. Um, but I think, though, defensively, you know, they're always going to have a chance just because they're, they're they're so good. I mean, they're the best defensive team in the country. I don't think there's any doubt about that in my mind. And, you know, I think with Tennessee, it's just – it's keeping everybody healthy because, you know, obviously, the Jordan James missed a lot of time. But now that he's back, you see the difference maker he can be. You know, best he's had the shoulder thing, but looks like he's okay coming back against LSU. You know, Plastic has been out. So, I think it's getting everybody healthy is probably the the main – you know, point of emphasis, I think, for Tennessee going down the stretch, because again, they're going to be fine. They're going to win a lot of games. Uh, they're going to be just fine in terms of the tournament, but that's probably what you want to see with them, just like not having those offensive stretches. And that's the difference between Tennessee and Alabama is do I think Alabama is as good defensively as Tennessee? No. But do I think they're, they can be close sometimes? Yes. But I think these are two teams you know, from an offensive standpoint. Alabama just has another year that, I just don't think a lot of teams have and and that is the difference for me with Alabama is you know you go back to last year right you weren't really questioning Alabama I mean you could question maybe some shot selection and those kind of things but like offensively you know you weren't really questioning Alabama from the standpoint of hey this is a team that can't score you knew they could score but defensively they didn't have it right mm-hmm. so I think we're kind of at that point now where there's just so many things they can do well. And I think specifically it comes, they're so much better on the defensive end, but they have that same offense. They have Brandon Miller. They have all these other guys. And so, yeah, I mean, I look, I mean, Alabama and Tennessee are very close, but I just think Alabama has a different gear than everyone else right now. Well,
0: let's get a little buy or sell segment here for you. To a couple of different topics here. Speaking of Alabama, or generic one out here—is Are you buying or selling Alabama as a national title contender?
1: I mean, I'm buying because I think right now uh, I would say they're the best team in the country. And I, I would assume Purdue probably gets ranked number one just because they were ahead of Alabama and you know didn't lose. So, But I, I think Alabama is the best team out there. I think that right now, if you played a tournament and you kind of asked me, you know, a team that has all the, the intangibles, all the, the different things that you need to win in a tournament setting – I mean, how could I ignore yeah. what Alabama's done, right? And, and and what we just talked about with kind of the skills that they present, I just think that they are, I don't even say they're a national title contender. I, I think maybe they're the favorite right now. And, and yeah. I know that's really going out there, you know, but it's like maybe it shouldn't be because of how they played it. And something to keep in mind with Alabama, right, is, and we, we kind of started the discussion talking about the SEC may be down a little bit in terms of just overall strength, but, quickly on that. Like, I don't know if that's that unexpected because remember how many new coaches we have in the league too, that it's either almost half the league. White, yeah. Like, I mean, you've got so many new coaches, so I think it's kind of a, that turnover doesn't help either, but at the same time, Alabama seven, in the league right now, they've won every game by double digits. They haven't allowed more than 69 points in an sec game yet. And so you combine those two things together. It's just a remarkable thing when you consider what they've achieved at this point. Um So, yeah, I mean, I, Uh, they're absolutely a national title contender and like I said right now if you had to tell me to place my money on one team to win it all I would place it on Alabama which is it is wild to just think about that thought like I I know because you know you say that to anyone on the street and they're like oh you're football right no no, like we're (laughs) we're talking about basketball like this is this is an actual thing and um yeah I just I, I think they're the complete package so
0: no, you're 100%, 100% right. And I feel like from Alabama, it's just the depth, and they can beat you in, like you said, numerous ways. Like, now they've yeah. struggled in some games, the like fucking the last two or three games. They're, they're not – I shouldn't say struggle; They're not rebounding as well as they were. But still, it's like you said, the defense, the stuff – they're doing stuff, like Tennessee, you said, on defense. It, they tra- it travels. And then if they're hot from that night, I mean, they're shooting over 40% from the field, and you, they're going 45% from three, you're not going to beat. it's almost like how – right now they're to the point of how bad are they going to win, more so. Yeah. Are they or go Are they going to win? In fact, the only thing from my standpoint is tournament. Well, if they went out and had eighteen to twenty turnover, something similar, I feel like they did against Gonzaga, yeah. they could get beat. But if they keep it within that twelve to fourteen range, it just their tempo. It's just they get so many more shots off. It's tough to beat them.
1: I think what they probably would not want to see is a team. Either like Gonzaga, who just gets hot who has the offensive capability to keep up and then just gets hot, right? And, and I think that's that's one formula. The other formula is what resulted, I think, in their other loss against Yukon, which yeah. let's face it, Yukon has struggled a little bit recently, but it was how Yukon played. That's a very physical sort of smash mouth. You know, we're not talking, we're not talking to football. Like they're a smash mouth sort of yeah. basketball team in how they attack you. And I think that was something that really caught Alabama off guard Um, just because of the the physicality, all of those things. Because remember, I mean, that winds up being 82-67, but UConn's basically up 20 with a minute left. Now, again, Alabama's come a long way since November 25th, but I think that's the type of style you would not love if you're Alabama uh, in a tournament setting, You know, having to play, let's say, let's just say, for example, you get to an Elite Eight, right? You play a UConn, and then you have to turn around in the final four and play a Houston. You know, it's like those kind of teams back-to-back, those kind of things, I think. Within a week, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, turnover-wise, that can really test you because of the the physicality those teams play with. But, you know, we say that, too. The SEC is a very physical league. And I know you're on Twitter just like I am. We we certainly have fun sometimes with the the foul numbers and the free throw numbers and all that. But it's a very physical league that doesn't – you know, there's not a lot of great shooting teams. So you have a lot more plays with potential contact, whether it's drives, plays at the rim, I think those are the kind of teams maybe for Alabama, again, a Houston, a UConn at its best, not maybe the UConn right now. But And I know that you know Alabama's already won at Houston, but those are the kind of teams I think you could probably point out and say, all right, if they force enough turnovers, that's something that still maybe is there for Alabama, but everything else it just seems like they do so many other things so well.
0: Transitioning to the other team we talked about just briefly, another buy or sell question. Tennessee is a Final Four contender you buying or selling.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> that is that is probably a tough one because, you know, it's like you can say – you can make the argument both ways, and it's it's depending on what you value more. You know, do I think – it's like if they don't have that Kentucky game, I'm probably not hesitating in saying buying. Like I'm saying buy, and I'm not hesitating. But it's because all of a sudden they've put one of those games into our mind of, uh-oh, like they're still capable of this, it makes you hesitate a bit. And I think I will still buy Tennessee because I think the overall structure, and and it goes back to the conversation we had about the injury situation. If if everyone is healthy, uh, I still think Tennessee at its best is probably one of the top four or five teams in the country. If everyone is healthy. Now that's been the question this season. And, you know, again, the offense, they're kind of like Alabama in that depends on who you draw, right? The bracket's very important, but um, I still think at their best, we've seen them completely shut down at Kansas. Um, You know, we've seen them win games pretty. We've seen them win games ugly, and I like teams that can do that, like be able to win in a variety of ways, like we just talked about with Alabama, but I still think I'll buy them for now, but it's just, you know, let's say, let's say, for example, I don't think it'll happen against Georgia or or maybe against Texas. It may happen against Texas. But let's say they go to Florida next week, right, and they score 65 points or something and win by a point, and they just can't score for long stretches. Then you start to really, oh, boy, like Mm -hmm. you're wondering a little bit. But I think for now I'll I'll buy the Vols.
0: Yeah, I always thought Tennessee, especially going into the season, had the highest floor in the league. Now,
1: Alabama,
0: I think Alabama has changed that narrative a little bit. But you always just kind of thought, Tennessee, like you've mentioned, the defensive stuff travels, gives you a shot in every game. So that's why it's always like, ah, like you, you kind of like their floor. Like, you know what you're going to get with Vescovy, Ziegler to an extent, like when Josiah Jordan James, when he's healthy. Like you said, you feel like you know those guys a little bit. But, yeah, they can just go. I, say, you said, they have some of the same uh, – they're lacking some of the attributes that would uh, lead to you thinking they would be another early first weekend uh, upset from being out of the tournament again. But transition yeah. to a team, it's talked about a little bit here, Blake. Like they get, I feel like they get some, uh, they get crapped on a little bit from a standpoint outside. Are you buying or selling Auburn as a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament this year?
1: Well, this is one I think if you'd asked me this probably hmm, three weeks ago, I'd have said there's no shot just because I think that you would have looked at the limitations offensively and said, I just don't know if that team can get there. However, I'm actually going to change my opinion on that now because if, You've seen them play recently. I think Auburn's figuring some things out on the offensive end of the floor. Now, again, if you look at it from a schedule standpoint, you could argue they've played the four worst teams in the SEC their last four games, Ole Miss, Mm -hmm. Mississippi State, LSU, South Carolina. But three of those have come on the road. And so, as always, winning on the road in the SEC is tough. Now, unfortunately, I may have to eliminate South Carolina from that equation this year because – I think as everyone has proven beating South Carolina on the road is not a hard thing to do, but I still think if you watch Mm -hmm. Auburn, I think they're growing their confidence offensively. I think they've figured out their rhythm. I think they've also figured out that, Hey, we're not the Jared Harper, Bryce Brown team that we can come out and just, you know, shoot 35 threes or something like that and have a chance. Like we need to keep our three point numbers down. And -hmm. I think they're doing that for the most, part. I think they're taking better shots, which is, Look, I mean, the good thing of the team last year, right? If you had to go into the offseason and say, all right, you know, you're losing Jabari Smith, you know, you're losing Walker Kessler. What's the biggest point of emphasis for this next team? I think it's going to absolutely be shot selection because they took some shots last year outside of those two guys that just made you scratch your head a little bit. Yep. But, but this year, I think now in this stretch of games, they're starting to play more. You know, we always use the phrase play within themselves. I actually think that's what they're doing. Like they're figuring out some things on the offensive side. Now the question becomes, can they do that against a tougher schedule? Because it's about to get tougher from here. Um, you know, A&M, West Virginia, Georgia, Tennessee, A&M, Alabama, Missouri. So now I think we really start to find out. But I I think at this point, again, defensively, they're, I mean, there are some similarities with Tennessee and how they play defensively. Auburn is very good on that side of the floor. I, I, I hesitate a little bit again to say this, but I'm actually going to buy Auburn, and I don't know that I thought I would have, even like I said three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, uh, but now I think I'm starting to see some things flip on the offensive side of the floor to make me think that, hey, they're learning from their own mistakes. They have an Allen Flanagan who's starting to give them something consistently. And I think that was always going to be important. Jalen Williams, you know, Broom, Green, they've got a pretty good group of guys here. And so I'm going to, I'm going to buy the Tigers for now.
0: now. I'm actually, I'm actually excited about that midweek matchup, them M&M. and a and I know it's at Auburn. Auburn has their, 28-game home-winning streak going. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if that keeps going, if that keeps going when Alabama comes to town in a couple of weeks. But, yeah, it, I think that's probably one of the better – I think that's probably the best midweek matchup we got this, just from an overall standpoint. It's a big game for both teams. I mean, if A&M could go split the Kentucky-at-Auburn back-to-back matchups, then, yeah, I think people are kind of like, dang, Auburn's – I mean, uh, A&M's – they're really going to – uh make us forget about the non-conference slate and they're on fire right now in conference play and uh yeah and for Auburn, it's a that's a quality opponent coming to your house probably a game you probably should win and then yeah. if they go continue on this weekend at uh west virginia it'd be a solid road win for them as well so it's like you said Auburn. it's getting tougher it'll be interesting but i'm leaning a little bit towards you as they do have a upside i think to make it to the second weekend of the tournament this year
1: yeah and you know what something else i was thinking about is like you, you look at them you sort of assume they're going to win all their home games. And that's why I think you You, of, you really do. I mean, at this point, it really, you don't feel like it matters, which of course the Alabama game, everyone's already circling that one on February 11th, but you sort of just assume they're going to find a way to win. Now that is something also though, that comes into play when he gets into the tournament is, well, you're not playing at home. And, um, you know, but it's kind of like we said, I think just beating the bad team sometimes on the road, which they've done to this point in terms of the SEC. I think that can give you a little boost of confidence and and gives you a little something to know, Hey, we can go on the road and and win these kind of games, even if they're against these, you know, this sort of competition. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I just think they're, they're moving in the right direction. And again, you look at kind of their offensive numbers and such, I just think that they are, they are improving on offense. And that was really, I think all we asked of Auburn was just to say, Hey, we know they're going to be there defensively, but can they just get better offensively? They're never going to have the ceiling of an Alabama this season or, I don't know, even a team like Missouri or something, but can they just get to the point to where they're taking the right shots? They're not, you know, taking a lot of threes. If they can do that, they can be okay. And well, that's what they're doing right now. So,
0: and last buy or sell here for you, Blake, just Kentucky in general, you buying or selling right now?
1: I feel like I'm, I don't know how much money I got to spend here. I feel like I'm buying everything on it. Like I'm, like, I'm doing the buy on all of these, but. I'm buying the cats as well. Like, I feel like the ultimate SEC homer here. Anyone's like, oh, which everybody already thinks I am. But like, it's uh, really, though, I mean, you're asking me the questions that I think you can really make a strong argument to say, all right, we have to go on what we've seen. We, we don't necessarily have to go on, you know, projecting ahead, looking at computers and all this stuff. If we just go by what we've seen.
0: yeah, eyeball test. Been,
1: yeah, the eyeball test, right? There is a stark difference in the Kentucky team I saw against South Carolina on January 10th and the team I saw on January 21st against Texas A&M. And there was a switch. Actually, I can even go back and say the team on January 14th at Tennessee. And it's not just because they won the game. It's because you saw a clear change by John Calipari, which is something that we do not always see. Yeah, He clearly said, this is how we need to win. And everybody that had been calling for it, I was one of the ones. Look, I will say this as a, a big, severe Wheeler fan, right? Like, I was a big fan of him at Georgia. I thought people kind of knocked him, like, well, look at his efficiency numbers. But think about how bad that Georgia team was that yeah. played on those kind of things. Came into Kentucky last year, thought he did a lot of good things. But as this season went on, it wasn't necessarily him. It was the way John Calipari wanted to run his offense with him that sort of Caused the ultimate kind of friction there that didn't really help either party but i think now it's very clear that cal has said all right here's how we win we win with the ball in Casey wallace's hands and that is how we get to where we want to go and what have they done since then they pulled off a surprising win at tennessee when everybody thought they'd go in there and get beat by 30 you know they beat a solid georgia team in my opinion And then they come back and beat a Texas A&M team in a game that I didn't think Kentucky would love because of the physicality Mm -hmm. and how A&M can force turnovers. They've done all those things now in three straight games. We haven't seen that stretch of three games this season from Kentucky in terms of how they played. So for that reason, I think I have to buy them because they're doing all this still in knowing that they have one, a one B in terms of best players in the sec. It's either Brandon Miller or Oscar Shibway. Take your pick. But I think still knowing they have him on the floor, they can win a game like they did against a m with Shibuya only having seven points and they can get production out of, you know, all these other guys, CJ Frederick, Antonio Reeves, who I think are still the key to their season uh, because they've got to be able to hit some threes consistently. They go seven to 21 against a combined. You're like, well, that's 33%, right? But in the sec, that's above average because this is a bad shooting league, as we said, yeah. just from a three point shooting number. So I really look at it that way. And I think because they have taken, they've made the decision to say, we are changing our approach on offense. I didn't know if Cal would ever do that because he has been, he's been stubborn in terms of doing that over the years. I I never really thought they've evolved offensively, but now they figured out how they need to do their offense. And I think again, big reason is case and Wallace handling the ball more having Antonio Reeves and CJ Frederick on the floor together at times, because why would you not want to have two guys that can shoot three on the same, you know, on the floor together to to take one away from the other and give another guy a shot here? So I, I hope that's that's the key now. I hope he realizes that. Um, You know, he's obviously getting paid a lot more money to analyze his team than I am. But I just think it's clear when you watch them play, they're a different team. And I think because of that, I have to buy them because to me, if that's the route they've decided to go, it's going to lead them to a lot of success because what they were doing before just was not working and maybe they finally realized that.
0: You kind of lead me into my, new, my my last question for you. Just from a standpoint, who is a guy in the SEC you think we'll be talking about the second half of the season? We're almost to the midpoint, but the second half of the season, we'll be talking about the end of the year that kind of just pushes team over the edge, not even talking about like to a championship, just maybe even to the top four, get that first round by in the SEC tournament or gets his team off the bubble. I'm thinking of guys like, Wendell Green, you mentioned two of them, C.J. Frederick, Antonio Reeves, uh, Mark Sears, Javon Quinterly, Wade Taylors of the world, those kind of guys. Anybody mm-hmm. comes to your mind that you're kind of like, I kind of see them having a big second half of the season. I mean, you can even throw Nick Smith Jr. there when he gets back with yeah. Arkansas.
1: You know, there's a lot of good choices. And like you said, you can pretty much, I mean, you can take your pick on one or two guys on every team. But I'm going to give you a guy that I think has really started to come on and could be the difference in this team getting to the tournament. You know, we talked about Texas A&M and kind of they're in a spot where <laughs> I hate to say this, but like they're almost in a similar spot as they were last year, minus the, you know, eight game winning streak, eight game losing streak. But they could find themselves with 11 SEC wins and still yep. need some work. Right. And, and maybe Buzz is having the same discussion he had last year of getting left out because their non-conference just was once again, not the best. Julius Marble, of course, played at Michigan State, you know, I think you know there in terms of results and those kind of things he decides to transfer to Texas A&M and you know we came into the season maybe not knowing exactly what to expect in terms of what his role was going to be because again an up and down career at Michigan State like maybe just did not reach that level some thought they thought he would there but you look at the numbers he's got six straight games where he scored in double figures um easily his most consistent stretch he's had this season and think about that. Six games, right? That's their SEC slate. And he's put them – I think he's given them that extra something they have needed to get beyond where they were in mid-December to, mm-hmm. work to the team they've become now. Like, he's giving them a lot, I think, from a scoring standpoint. And like you said, they've already got guys like Wade Taylor or Tyrese Radford, um, guys we know that can help them scoring-wise. And look, I mean, I think AM's roster, when you look at it, is probably one of those just sneaky good rosters that probably doesn't get enough credit. Um, you know just based on kind of just comparing it to others maybe but, you know Henry Coleman Dexter Dennis those guys but i think Julius Marble is someone as a what 69 610 guy in this league being able to help them scoring wise to give them some sort of presence in the paint get to the free throw line i think he's someone to keep an eye on and and, and again we could pick a lot of different players but i think just watching him play in some of these recent games and seeing m have some success He's been a big reason for that, and I just think that that dynamic gives them something else as a starting five, especially, where they feel like they can match up with anybody in the SEC, and I think his kind of, you know, resurgence is is a big reason for that.
0: No, I like that. And, I'm a, and we'll get you out of here. What just – you, I'm glad you brought up AM. How many conference wins do you think, in your opinion, do you think they, do they need to get 11 or 12 to get in? I was talking, you know, to, funny, I was talking I, to somebody I, about that the other day, and I was like, you know what, he brought up a i A&M, I'm going to ask this.
1: You know, it's funny because I was playing the same game with Arkansas earlier, and it's way trickier than you would think when it comes to Arkansas. Um, and so I think that actually makes my decision for AM and m even more tricky because it's kind of when you look at it, Arkansas, you know, has – and I know I'm kind of comparing these two, but they're on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to the SEC record, but they're actually, you feel like, somewhat close in a lot of other things. You know, Arkansas maybe has some of those higher-profile – Type wins, right? They've beaten a who is it? They beat San Diego State, San Diego
0: State. Um, yep,
1: Oklahoma, I think, is yeah, like, which, they beat Oklahoma and
0: Tulsa, you know, I think, or Oklahoma yeah. City.
1: So it's like those kind of wins, I think, you can kind of bank on right now for AM. I mean, what their best wins, either Florida or Missouri. And yeah, Missouri's in the tournament right now. I don't know if Florida is, so it's like that's where this gets interesting because. The good news for a and I think, is that they still have a lot. I say a lot. <laughs> it's going to depend on, I think, Arkansas needing to make that run because they have two games left against Arkansas. I was looking at the schedule earlier. They've still got a game against Alabama. They've still got Tennessee, right? Now, when your team's like this, you know, the schedule is so important because AM doesn't have, let's see, they don't have multiple games against Alabama. They don't have multiple games against Tennessee, So like you take the top two off the board. So that immediately limits your upside in terms of you have to win those one games, which by the way, let's keep this in mind. They get Tennessee and Alabama, both in college station. So that Mm -hmm. is crucial, I think for them, because that's what they need. They need more of those upside type wins um, because they already do have a couple bad losses, I guess you could say. So, oh man, I think looking at their schedule, you know they get Auburn twice, they get Arkansas twice, and they get Missouri again. That's not bad. I feel like if A and M wants to feel safe and comfortable getting into the tournament, I don't know if ten and eight does it. Like I just really, you know, it's like when you look at the state of the league, it's just it, it's a matter of where those come from, right? And I think eleven and seven they're in, but like even at ten and eight, I just feel like. We're still having that discussion because I just don't. They don't have a non conference, right? It's like a like big, juicy
0: non conference win to hang yeah. their hat on. Yeah. You're right. I'm with you. 10 and eight, they're probably rolling into Nashville.
1: Yeah. Having Same to win situation.
0: that first Thursday game. Yeah. yeah. And now, let's I be mean, honest, too. Like that first Thursday game is probably not some big resume puts you over the edge team either. No. It's that's, probably, I mean,
1: yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, that's where you're looking at probably playing a team like, I mean, look, yeah, you know, let's just say they're the, maybe, the fifth seed. I mean, who who are they
0: play? I mean, they probably play maybe Vanderbilt. Georgia, Vanderbilt.
1: You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it gets interesting. I I think again, safely, if you want to safely be into the the tournament, hmm, I mean, because look, let's think about it. It's a Different year, right? But they were nine and nine going to the SEC tournament last year, and we were kind of having that conversation, saying they probably need to get to the championship. Well, they got to the championship, still didn't get in. Um, yeah. But I think it's worth pointing out too. The SEC was stronger last year than I think it is this year. And so it's all, let's just say this, like we can say this about anybody. A&M needs to beat the teams it should beat. And then it just needs to get a couple wins somewhere. It it needs to avoid the bad losses. That's probably the best way to put it. Like, I don't think they're, they're a team that cannot afford the bad losses at this point. So like they need to beat the, they need to beat Vanderbilt at home. They need to beat Georgia at home. Um, Yeah they can't afford to lose at Ole Miss, you know, games like that. They can't afford to lose at LSU because then you're having to work overtime. <laughs> then you're like, all right, well, we yep. just lost at LSU. Boy, now we got to find a way to beat Tennessee. You're one
0: step forward, two step back. <laughs> right. I mean, that's what yeah, it is. So you're going like, backwards.
1: I, I think to feel great about their chances, it's 11 and seven. But like you said, I think if you go 10 and eight, you get a win in Nashville, depending on who that is. And again, depending on who those, five other wins come from in sec play <laughs> i mean i keep yeah a and m's intro
0: that's why this week for the that that's why i'm excited for that wednesday matchup between them and Auburn. that's a big that's yeah. a big opportunity for a and m right there if you were to go win that game which i mean Auburn obviously would be favored most people would pick yeah. Auburn, but i mean if oh yeah auburn has a cold night from cold night from beyond the arc who knows i mean that's yeah i mean a and m's a fun yeah. team to discuss you're right
1: yeah I mean, because look, I keep we could go on forever, and I'm not going to do that. But like, I keep looking at their schedule. I'm like, well, you know what? If they're ten and eight, that means they got to lose seven more games. And it's like, hmm. Well, those of those seven, they got to come like probably. There's a couple teams in there that they probably don't need to lose to. So, oh man, yeah, yeah you're A&M's right, boy. Like,
0: ten, ten and eight. I would venture to say, if you told me they finished ten and eight, they probably beat everyone they're supposed to and didn't yeah. win any like resume yeah. kind of games.
1: Yeah, so. In that scenario, it's eleven and seven is what I'll say. I think they got to be eleven and seven because if I'm thinking if they're ten and eight, that means they're gonna lose. They're gonna let's see, they're gonna lose seven games and they're gonna win five games the rest of the way. So going five and seven the rest of the way, that also is not going to give you a very strong. And that that would put their Mm -hmm. projected record at eighteen and thirteen overall. So like that's something else for a team that has no non-conference resume to speak of. Yeah. I don't know if that's a that's a lovely thing either. So yeah, good luck, AM, I guess. So
0: <laughs> well, Blake, man, I appreciate you taking the time joining us this afternoon. I hope all is well. Again, guys, if you do not follow him already, go follow him at Southeastern 14 Twitter handle at 14 Southeastern and go follow Blake at the Blake level. Great content to producing over there, as you can tell this conversation. He knows his stuff about SEC athletics, all sports. But again, Blake, I appreciate you joining us, man. You have a great rest of your week.
1: No, you got it, Dave. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. No problem, bud. Keep following us on Mock
0: 10 Sports for the best information on SEC sports.